All right. So we are, I think this is lesson number 25. Did I have that correct from looking at the uh, let's see. spreadsheet? Um, I, I didn't, <laughs> I okay, guess I that, well, it, as long as you're following the date and the, if you look at <laughs> this is the right verses. <laughs> All right. So this, is, this might be lesson 25. We're not sure, but this is okay. wisdom part one. So um, we are, uh, we're moving into uh, James 3 verses 13 through 16. And I'm going to, uh, you can see on the slide there, we're going to back up and, and read from uh, verse 8 down through 16 just to get our, our context from last week. <clears throat> so James writes, But no one among mankind can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our, our Lord and Father, <clears throat> and with it we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brother's... I don't know what translation this is. I guess that they put sisters in there. That's just, anyway, my, my <laughs> <fun. These>, <laughs> these things should not be this way. Does a spring send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my, my brothers, bear olives or a vine bear figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. And then today's verses. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior, his deeds and the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. So um, what, what I wanted to do is uh, is review a little bit some of what we talked about last week. And I, I think it's important um, because... Uh, but James has been speaking about, he begins speaking about wisdom here. Um, but I don't think he's, he's really changed topics yet. So we want to pay careful attention to those preceding verses for the context of, of today. Um, last week we took a little bit of time, we backed up and, and kind of built up a kind of a greater context for those books. But really the material we covered last week um, could be uh, summed up uh, pretty simply. And I think when we um, boiled it all down. We said that James is, is basically saying that we as believers have this uh, this unusual thing that goes on in our with our tongue, and and we could say maybe this: well, everything in creation produces one kind of fruit. The tongue has this odd fruit bearing, which is either good or evil. Um, I could say both good and evil, but it, it really it happens. It can't be both at the same time. It's one or the other, right? And and we know that the reason for this strange situation is that the believer um, has uh, two sources within us. And source is really um, the key concept. Um, and that's important as we as we move into today's verses. So um, that's why I want to just back up and look at that. You know, James has been talking about the source of uh, uh, behind our tongue. And source is still really important to understand as we look at this today. And, and, you know, it's really important because if we, if we, um, if we fail to understand as believers, and, and this, you know, I fell into this camp for a long time. But if we fail to understand um, the reality of both our indwelling sin nature as well as our new nature uh, in Christ, um, then really we'll, we'll chase our tails in circles for a long time and we'll never understand this strange and, and frustrating condition that we find ourselves in between the, the time of salvation, the day that we accept the gospel, and the day that we see Christ face-to-face. And, you know, it really is frustrating, right? It's, uh-huh. um, 
it's like Paul Paul writes about, right? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from the body of this death? It's like there's a there's a tremendous frustration, um, and 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 it becomes uh, much clearer to us when we understand these these two natures. If we don't understand that, you know, it's a it's a terrible, really a terrible place to be in as a as a believer. Right, and and we we miles and we see lots of people out there in the Christian scene, so to speak, that don't have a grasp on this, and they go kind of different directions. Either they, mm-hmm. it's just incredible, and you can link it many times back to a misunderstanding that they have a a fallen nature that can do bad things, can sin just like the our brother Hal had a list of all the sins. He compiled a list of all the sins a believer can commit. <laughs> and guess what? They're just the same as an unbeliever. Yeah, that sounds like a fun, that sounds like a fun list. <laughs> oh yeah, it's real fun. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's critical, it's critical. It really is. You know, and, and one of the things I, I wanted to note here is we, we need to see that there's no difference between Paul and James, really. They don't contradict each other. That's such a common misconception. Right. You know, but they're both, they both teach this fact. And it's a really critical fact, right? So, um, we can see that both of them, um, teach that there are two natures, um, within the believer. Um, and both of them teach that we are not slaves to the sin nature. And that's, that's the, once you understand that you have two natures, the next, I think, critical thing to understand is that you're not a slave to, right. to the sin nature. Um, in, in all we see it, I think, very clearly in Romans 6.11. Where he says, you reckon or consider yourselves dead to the sin nature and alive to God. And we noticed last week, um, in the, in the Greek interlinear, that I, I really like the way they put it in James 3.10. James says, it's not necessary, brothers of me, for these things to be so. And, um, and that, I, I think is very parallel. You know, he's saying, look, you're not, you're not a slave to, to this other source, to this sin nature. You know, he doesn't use the same language as Paul, right? Right. Um, Paul, Paul comes in with all this clarity on this whole issue, but, but if we understand that James and Paul were inspired by the same Holy Spirit, they're, bringing, they're speaking to the same church, we understand that though they may use some somewhat different um, ways of talking about it, um, the message is the same. So, um, But neither, neither Paul nor James lets us come away from this understanding of our two natures with the, the idea that we are, um, that we're just to, uh, you know, bounce back and forth between the two, right? Right. Um, sometimes, sometimes people kind of get that idea. Well, I just, you know, um, kind of whatever, whatever I feel like right now, whatever is, kind of, <laughs> right. kind of let, you know, let one nature or the other dominate me. Uh, <laughs> but they don't give us that idea. They say, no, yeah. you're not. This isn't. But, but it isn't amazing the abundance of scripture that tells us to abide in Him, walk with Him, and so many other words that are used to to show us that's the method we are to employ in our Christian life. And, I, you know, once, and that's another thing you get a hold of. God is not uh, sl- slack about showing us the the method we are to. Uh, it's basically Christ, but he uses various words in our relation with Christ to to be free from this sin nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I put it this way, we're under uh, absolutely no obligation to respond to the desires of the flesh. As believers, we don't have that obligation, and um, and really it comes down to faith, right? It comes right. down to, um, you know, do we do we know that? Do we know that fact that we're not slaves to sin nature, and are we trusting that fact? And not only we're not are we not slaves, but are we do we recognize the the the, the new life that we have in Christ and, and our freedom 
in that. So uh, I wanted to quickly look again at just the what I call here the, the sort of the structural context. Um, I think this is this is just a little bit helpful when we get into wisdom here. And what I mean by that is is that we saw um, that in uh, in in James two twelve he he has a statement: so speak and so act as those who will be judged by the principle of freedom. Um, and and we underline there: so speak and so act because. I think that outlines the next sections here where in um, so act, it kind of reverses the order, but from, from chapter 214 down to 226, uh, James teaches on works or, or actions and, and how and, and what that looks like. And then from uh, 3.1 down to 3.12, he's speaking specifically about the tongue and, and of course, and teachers. And, um, and so if you kind of look at that as a, as a bit of an outline, um, I think that uh, that Paul's not departing from from this. Uh, I think he's actually kind of reaching back and drawing together what he's uh, saying about our works and words and what the source of that is. You know, because James has made it clear that there's there's always a source or a wellspring behind um, what we say and what we do. Um, and in verses uh, 13 through 17, now I know uh, 17. That gets into, uh, I think it's Andrews for next week, but, um, but in that section, James is speaking about the two possible sources behind our, our works and words. And we've been talking here about the sin nature and the new nature. Um, but here James describes these two kinds of wisdom. And, uh, and the one kind is, is what he calls earthly, natural, and demonic. The other kind is, he says, is from above pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without hypocrisy. And so I, I think that what James is, is getting at is this is what's behind these, these things we've been talking about. This is what's behind that. And, and then James asks this question, who among you uh, is wise and understanding? Why, why is James asking that question? Any, any thoughts on that? Any thoughts on why he would ask that question at, at this point in the, Conversation. It's okay. I sprung this on you. I didn't give you, <laughs> you had no advance notice. I just, that's kind of a question that, you know, I, I came to myself when I, when I got to this point in the text. You know, why is he asking that here? We've been talking about the tongue and, and all this, and all of a sudden he's asking who is wise and understanding. But, you know, Jesus has been talking about wisdom since the beginning of the book, right? That was a little while ago here. I wasn't even in the study at that point. But, um, first of all, uh, trials is the major theme of the game. Right, and we know that um, for sure. Um, but if you read uh, in in chapter one, uh, particularly in verses two through eight, you can see that wisdom is is that maybe we could say is that by which we navigate and endure trials, um, and that's what he talks about right in the beginning of the book. So now he's he's coming back to this question of wisdom. Um, He's really, I think, circling back around to kind of his main his main thesis for the book, and um, and under the the structure here of speaking and acting, um, we can we can sort of see the way James is is setting this up. So, like we said in in um, or uh, sorry in two fourteen, um, as he's introducing works, he says, "What use is it, or what practical benefit is it, my brethren?" If someone says he has faith but has no works, can that faith save him? And 
if we ask to save him from what, I think in context we say from from buckling under trial or from from being creamed by the trial rather than enduring it. So, uh, so James is saying that there has to be something of substance behind what we say um, and what we do. If we say that we have faith, but but we're not actually operating out of the wellspring of heavenly wisdom, then our claim has no real benefit in the face of a trial, in the face of the things that we uh, endure. And likewise, in, in chapter 3, verse 1, uh, James, as he turns to talk about the tongue, he says, and I kind of paraphrased it here, he says, don't be too eager to become a teacher. Um, you know, the desire to teach is fine, but beware that there are two possible sources that can be motivating or controlling your tongue. And if it's not heavenly wisdom behind your tongue, then you're in trouble. So back to our question here, why is James uh, asking who among you has wisdom? I think in part it's because it's it's not readily apparent. It's not immediately apparent who has uh, godly wisdom because it's not enough to just claim that you have this heavenly wisdom. Um, uh, wisdom from above, as he refers to it here, uh, will be manifest for what it is through the outworking of our works <laughs> and words. I think that's what James is saying. So, um, and, and we'll kind of come back to that a little bit here, but it has to do with, with some of what he's introduced in, in the beginning of chapter three. You know, if someone has a desire to be teacher, um, you know, uh, we shouldn't be too, too quick about, uh, just, you know, pushing someone into that, that position. There, there needs to be a, a real discernment into whether, um, you know, is it is it just talk? Is it just doctrine, or is it uh, is it applied doctrine? So, um, hey Miles, yes, couldn't James be using that question as an encouragement to be wise and understanding? You know, he's trying to yeah. bring it out in in his audience there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I think I think I think that definitely is uh, is a, is an important part of what he's what he's getting at. Yeah, you know I think uh, in Paul's writings and especially in so, uh, in the Solomon's writings, he encourages people to be wise and encourages his son to be wise. You know, and I think yeah. that's what James is doing here. He's yeah. encouraging, encouraging wisdom and understanding in his in his audience there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. No, that's a good, that's a good point, Jim. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a question to beat you over the head, you know, like, right. like, oh, look, you know, you don't, you don't have this. Um, but it's an encouragement to, um, to, to look carefully, you know, to understand. Yeah, to seek it out. To seek yeah. it out. You know, that's, yeah. that's what Solomon was encouraging is to seek understanding, you know. Make it an active part of your lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, good point for sure. And I think um, you know it's interesting because in uh, in in the last half of verse thirteen, James kind of responds to this this question. He says, "You know, who among you is wise and understanding?" And then he says, uh, "Let him show." You know. Um, and 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 so he says, uh, you know, um, 
it's kind of kind of resonates with what he's been saying in the last uh, chapter and a half. You know, if you if you got this this wisdom, then then let it show. We know that's kind of James, um, sort of James mentality or his his flavor, right? Um, he doesn't want empty doctrine, and um, so if you have this this wisdom, let it show. And I um, I think I think we need to be aware that as wonderful as it is to know um, about things like our position in Christ, you know, um, it, it won't have a practical effect in us until we're counting on it by faith. Mm-hmm. Um, or as James put it, puts it, you know, doctrine without expression is useless. Right. You know, I came across this quote from, from uh, Austin Sparks in his book, uh, Our Warfare. And um, it, now, um, he's speaking at, at this point in the book about our, our um, uh, spiritual warfare. He's talking about what the enemy, Satan, really opposes. And our focus today isn't Satan and his opposition to the church. But I, I wanted to bring in this quote to point out the difference between doctrine and um, the living expression of it. So he says, um, oh, I don't have the full, uh, don't have the full quote here. Sorry. <laughs> I've got the last half of it on the screen, but I got the first half of it here on my paper. So let me let me read aloud. He says, "There may be a presentation of doctrine without organic expression. That does not worry Satan very much. We may be orthodox and as sound as it is possible to be, and still not meet the full force of Satan's objection. But let an organic expression of the church, for practical purposes, be brought into view, and you will find trouble." coming from everywhere and nowhere. Hmm. And he says, again, when Christianity is formal, ecclesiastical system, sorry, a formal ecclesiastical system, without spiritual power, Satan does not trouble himself or it one little bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when there is but a name, a title, a designation, without correspondence to the divine pattern, it is left to go on its way unchallenged. But, let the Lord bring into view something that really sets forth Christ corporately, then there's trouble. And uh, I kind of sniffed out, that's, not, that's uh, a little bit, uh, cut, cut out some chunks in between and stuff, but I, I took out the portions here that that uh, kind of highlighted the fact that, uh, you know, if it's, if it's just uh, doctrine, you know, if it's just creed, um, but there's no living expression of it, um then if, if from his from his point of view writing here on spiritual warfare satan isn't worried you know uh, from our perspective here from kind of what james is talking about you know it's it's quite useless it's quite useless if if we know these things as truths but they don't uh come into practical application by faith in our day-to-day walk so so how does uh james say that wisdom is to be shown you know um it's fine to say that uh, that that you know things should should show in our life. I mean, people read James and they come away with that pretty easily. Oh, there's the other half of it. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> apparently I don't. Okay, no, no, that's fine. It's okay. It's it's good. I found it. Okay. <laughs> I'm learning. Well, um, I, I, I have some stories to tell about. Try to find a verse. What's this verse? I can't think of it. It's, it's the next verse, and so the next. read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Anyway, well, it'll, it'll be there in the printed version anyway. Yeah. Um, so, 
So how does James see that this wisdom is to be shown? And I was saying, you know, people um, uh, come away with James saying, oh, yeah, you know, it needs to show. And you come away with a very works-oriented kind mm-hmm. of mentality, right? Mm-hmm. You know, James says something's got to show. So, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to get to work here, pull up the bootstraps and, and put on <laughs> put on works, right? All right. So I'm going to just, I kind of, what I did is I took the, the next part of the verse here, 13b, and I just broke it down. Oh, see, I did it again. Where's the first part? <laughs> the next chart? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's funny. I don't, uh, there it is. Everything's in reverse order now. Okay. Well, so you can see how the uh, the verse is uh, in bold on the left there. Let him show out of good behavior his works in gentleness of wisdom. And that's a little bit of an amalgamation of... Uh, of some some translations, but I tried to kind of make it as as close to the original text as possible there. But then in brackets, I've given sort of a, an explanation based on a bit of word study, um, and uh, and so we could just kind of go through that. So let him show means to expose to the eyes or give proof uh, out of or by means of um, good behavior, and that you know there's a lot actually in those words. Good is is a long a lengthy string of sort of synonyms if you look it up. Um, the first one is beautiful, um, but honorable or proper or interestingly useful is in that list as well. And I think that, that also fits quite well with um, with James' theme. But behavior, an interesting one, um, uh, the um, is it a state of being or the conduct, behavior, or, or manner of life. Um, so out of this, you know, proper, honorable, beautiful manner of life, uh, his works or acts, um, in gentleness of wisdom. Um, so it is, it is that, you know, this, this works or outward, outward expressions, you know, works and words, um, are to show the, 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 the reality or the presence of this wisdom, um, but it's to come out of this this good manner of life, um, and you know, as believers, um, we have the righteous life of the Lord Jesus as the source of our life. Um, we have this good manner of life within us. It's not ours. It's Christ. Um, you couldn't put that kind of expression on a person apart from Christ to say that they have a good manner of life, a beautiful manner of life. You know, we have to understand that that, that comes from, from Christ. Um, and, and again, in, in James here, we, you know, we can claim to have this, this nature of Christ. We can even know that we have it, but unless we're actively, uh, exercising faith in that, then there's no outflow or outlet of that, of that righteous life. It has to be a, a, an active, um, walk of faith. Um, and I wanted to notice that these, these works are done in the gentleness of wisdom, um, or a gentleness that is sourced in, in wisdom. Um, well, there's my, <laughs> I don't know when these are going to pop up, but there you have it. Well, it, it, you know, you, you, it's the thing where you go through and you decide when to bring in certain bolts. Yeah. Yeah, and, I thought I had it all, yeah, it's, all well, it, and it's, it's tricky. It's tricky. You can, yeah. they, they get out of order, you're, you're in yeah. trouble. There you go. Yeah, there we are. So, so, um, 
Yeah, here's all. Yeah. Sorry, I'll just bring it all up. Yeah, bring them all up, yeah. And then that should be, there we go. So I wanted to look at this gentleness, um, or, or your translation might have meekness. And uh, the word is, is uh, uh, prautes. And, um, and it's an interesting word. Um, and it doesn't mean weakness, like it might kind of imply. If, if you know, we sometimes think meek is, is weak, like a, like a right. limsy <laughs> or something. Um, but I really liked uh, what Zodiades uh, said, and then uh, what I got from a Blue Letter Bible from Larry Pierce. So um, Zodiades, uh, prontes is not readily expressed in English since the term meekness suggests weakness. Right. Uh, Proutes is a condition of mind and heart which demonstrates gentleness, not in weakness, but power. It is a virtue born in strength of character. And I would add to that, that strength of character is not ours. <laughs> we don't have strength of character. That is a Christ uh, attribute. And then Larry Pierce said, gentleness or meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. That's really important because we're going to come back to that, that theme there, that self-assertive, self-interested kind of thing. Uh, it stems from trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. And and then I said, that, you know, there's a, there's a confidence or a strength that comes from this source of wisdom. Um, and, and remembering that, that wisdom, and I think we've, you guys have probably talked about this before, wisdom is not so much what you know, but knowing how to apply that knowledge in a skillful and practical way or we could uh put it simply skill in living um and uh and and it put up there there's a, there's a superhuman ability to navigate the most pressing trials when we know the source of our new life i hope superhuman is kind of an okay word i don't, I don't mean to you know put a mental <laughs> image of superman up there but but we understand that we have this with the nature of christ in us um we have this ability infinitely beyond us uh, to navigate um, the most pressing trials. <clears throat> and, and that makes sense. You know, if we have wisdom and we, and we know how to navigate the difficulties in life, then we have a, a sure and steady confidence. Um, and, and on that basis, you know, um, we can act in confidence. So, so I just wanted to draw that out a little bit because, it, you know, when we read, oh, you know, our, our good works in gentleness of wisdom, it doesn't really... That doesn't mean a lot, but when we kind of fill out the fullness of what that word uh, prautes means, it's there's a lot there. So, so now let's look at um, the, the the wisdom. Um, now let me try to pull everything yeah, up here. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Oops. All right. So, so as, as I said, wisdom is is basically skill in living or or, or knowledge applied, um, and um, and and, and it gets quite interesting here is now, now as we get into these, these two kinds of wisdom, and, it, and like I said, in verses 14 through 17, James describes these two kinds of wisdom. Um, so, so taking our, our definition that, you know, wisdom is sort of a, you know, skill in living, um, we could say that there are two distinct uh, skill sets for life. Um, and, and there are uh, fundamentally only two kinds of wisdom. And that's helpful. That's actually something that uh, that J.D. McCulley, when he was up here, um, taught us in, in the Bible framework. There are only two different worldviews. And um, at a fundamental level, there's only two different ways of looking at life. There may be, you know, a thousand and one different flavors to it, but there are only two, you know, fundamentally two um, ways of ways of, uh, of thinking and, and living. There are two skill sets. And, and the world's skill set 
for living or for success in life. That's that's the verses that we're looking at today here, and we're going to get into that here. Um, and then the wisdom that comes from down from a do- down from above. That's that's next week's topic. So I'm not going to try to step into that too much here. Um, but uh, but James says in verse 14. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, uh, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. In other words, if you say that you have this wisdom, and yet you know that in your heart you are selfish and jealous, which is in a present uh, or continuous uh, sense there, then then stop arrogantly claiming to have this wisdom, is, is essentially what he says. And, and notice that, that self is really the center of, of this way of thinking. Uh, if we look at the, uh, the word there, um, your jealousy, and, uh, and then we'll look at uh, selfish ambition. Your jealousy is, uh, uh, Picron, uh, Zalon. And, and, and it's a, a zealous, uh, zealousness or a, uh, a zeal in embracing or pursuing uh, defending anything, um, an envious, contentious rivalry. So when you see that in your in your heart, you know that you don't, you're not, and if that's what you're functioning on, you're not functioning on the wisdom that comes down from above. You're functioning on this this earthly wisdom. And then similarly with selfish ambition, this was a really interesting word. I liked the um, the uh, definition that I think this came off Blue Letter Bible, but. Um, it's the, they use the word electioneering. Hey, I know. Wow. <laughs> Just, and, and right away you get this vision of, you know, politicians. Politicians. Um, <laughs> you know, but even ourselves, you know, um, or this in, intriguing for office, but a, a desire to put oneself forward. <laughs> and, and that can, that can be so common in our, um, in our hearts to, to want to get ourselves to the, to the front of the line, you know, and, um, <clears throat> And, and you know, looking at the meaning of those two two words, I, I think we can easily see the connection with three one races. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, um, because, like we said, there seems to have been this this kind of jockeying for position in the in the early church, and and you know, everyone had something to say. But but James is is actually really stern here, and and he says that if that desire to speak is not coming from the spirit, but from your own self glorifying zeal. Then there's a big problem, and um, and this is the world's kind of wisdom, you know, fighting uh, tooth and nail to get to the top. Um, but but notice what James says about this kind of wisdom uh, in in verse 15 on the screen there. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. And uh, I should have one more. There we go. There you go. Right. <laughs> and this comes from uh, this, this is borrowed from Chester Macaulay. Um, slightly, very, slightly, very uh, um, changed, but um, earthly uh, points to the world. Uh, natural means it's of the flesh, and demonic uh, says that it's, it's of the devil. Right. And 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 we know those three. Also, we recognize that oh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Oh. And, and oh, yeah. that's what this wisdom is sourced in. You know, um, this wisdom is is everything contrary to godliness, and it's consistent with the de- desires of the sin nature. It's consistent with the world system, just the way the world operates, and it's in line with the mind of Satan himself. So <clears throat> I think that's really, really uh, makes it quite quite clear there. Um, 
I want to look at at verse 16 here. I know we're okay. We got five minutes. Let's see if we can. All right, two slides left, so I think we can take it. Um, but feel free to comment. I don't want to. No, I was actually trying to write a little bit less so that there was more time to yeah. have an interaction. But 316, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Um, and, and we'll notice that jealousy and selfish ambition, the same, same words. So where, where that exists, um, there's disorder in, in every evil thing. So, um, <clears throat> you know, when, when this is the operating system, when this kind of wisdom is the operating system for an individual, <clears throat> James says that you can be sure that what is being produced is disorder and every evil thing. Um, and interesting that the word disorder is the noun form of the adjective that we looked at in in verse uh, in one verse eight and in three verse eight, which uh, had as, as unstable or restless um, or uncontrollable. Andrew uh, kind of pointed out. I was talking about the tongue. It's an uncontrollable evil. And it's the same word here in the noun form. So that's what's present when we function on this uh, on this wisdom. And then the every evil thing, uh, literally thing there, uh, is pragma, which is uh, where we get the word pragmatic. And it literally means deed. So there's every evil deed. And and these these evil deeds are very, very pragmatic. You know, um, you think of your, you know, your, your pragmatic politician or your pragmatic <laughs> individual. And... You know, the, the, the end justifies the means. Right. You know? And, and that's what, what, uh, what James is, is getting at in that. So, um, so those things are, are, are what's present. And you know, when I first read this, this verse, I, I, I kind of get the, the idea, or, you know, it's easy to get the idea that, oh yeah, that's going to look, um, really immoral, or, or really disgusting, or, or kind of distasteful. But as I, as I, you know, really thought on this and, and really what James is saying, I realized, you know, what that kind of wisdom actually looks like is, is right. more than great, <laughs> great leadership skills, wonderful charisma, right. you know, smooth speech, flashy marketing. Right. Because this human wisdom is, like we said, it's, it's natural or fleshly. So it appeals to the flesh. It's, it's earthly. Um, worldly, uh, it, it appeals to what the world likes to see, um, and and at the same time, it's it's demonic, it's 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 satanic, um, and that's the part we don't see. But Satan loves to see this, um, you know. And I, I don't. I mean, I, I, names and faces come to mind uh, far too quickly, and I don't want to name <laughs> anyone, you know. But because we could easily point the figure back at ourselves, you know, we really could. But right. You know, I think when you look at almost any big name church leader, really, you'll see a perfect example of human wisdom at its finest. Because right. <laughs> um, all, all these things, and we could extend that list, really exemplify what um, what, what most of those most of those individuals are, are all about, right? Um, and and you know, God says that it's evil. You know, um, you know, these things they sell, they they really sell well. Um, but they are truly evil. Um, and, uh, you know, it's worldly, it's fleshly, and it's demonic. Um, because, and this is why it's evil, it's not evil because it looks immoral. Um, it's, it's evil because it's, it's, it's something other than the life of Christ being put on display. You know? Let's come back to your, it's the source. It's the source. Yeah. That's 
strength. Yeah, it really is all about the source. And, and I think we sometimes do make that mistake. We think that if the source is, is evil, it's going to look corrupt. But if, frankly, when the source is evil, it, it usually looks pretty flashy. I know. It can. It definitely can. So, you know, and, and, and it's, it's this, it really, you know, when you begin to see it through the, through the eyes of Christ, you, you kind of see this kind of thing as a, as a gaudy sort of display. Um, but you know, the world eats it up with a spoon, right? right. Um, of course, what, what they, what the world loves is, is, is what really what God, you know, spews out of his mouth, right? Um, but it's important to understand as much as we can point the finger, it's, it's important to understand that we're all fully capable of, of having, you know, our words and actions sourced. <laughs> in this very same kind of wisdom, you know, this thoroughly evil uh, kind of wisdom. And because we have the same, this is the same two sources. It, it really is. Um, and, and it, you know, it takes spiritual discernment to see and to know this kind of wisdom for what it is. And I think that's what James is, is really talking about here as he, you know, brings this um, together, this, this section here that, um, you know, they had people jockeying to become teachers and taking on places of position and stuff. And people were, you know, people show all kinds of, you know, works and, and say all kinds of things. But it's critical to know what the source of those things is. And that takes that takes spiritual discernment, I think. So any, any comments before we close? We're just just past the time. Uh, yeah, in uh, verse uh, 15, uh, where it says uh, such wisdom that does not come from above, but is earthly. Natural, demonic, uh, the Holman Christian Standard Bible says it's earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a little more specific there. You know, it's anything yeah. that's, that's natural is really unspiritual. That's, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and that's the contrast, isn't it? That's, that's the difference. Yeah. Either spiritual or it's, or it's natural, fleshly. Yeah. The flesh, yeah. the flesh is very deceptive. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It, all, all these, all these things from the world really appear to appeal to the flesh. Yeah. And, you know, as Christians, we have to be very wise about that and cautioned about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I did find, uh, this, this verse kind of stood out to me this week just because of the context of studying this in, in John 4, 14, where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and he says, but the water that I give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what James is talking about. This this living water that's been right. um, put in us, it springs up to eternal life. That's the source that he um, that he intends to produce out of in, in each of us. And this, and this is James. This is Jesus' brother. James is Jesus' yeah. brother. So he probably heard these things when he yeah. was saved, and when he got saved, they just made all all the sense in the world. I'm him. thinking he probably heard some of these things. At least as often as anyone else ever ever would have, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Growing up and everything, and it's just, wow. Yeah. You up with the guy. Yeah, you really see uh, Jesus' words coming up in James for sure. Yeah, and you, they probably hated Jesus because he was so perfect. Well, that's one of the things that uh, this verse points out in from James' perspective, uh, living with Jesus as his brother physically on the earth. Um, here, he, out of that new nature that he has, in uh, verse 13 says, let him show. That's a command. Mm-hmm. Let Christ show. 
I don't know if that's a good summation of that or not, but it sure fits the context. And next week we're going to look at show what is good, right? Uh-huh. Wisdom that is good. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, let's close in prayer here. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for this opportunity to look into your word, Lord. We thank you um, that we uh, we have this this source, uh, not of ourselves. Um, we thank you that we have the, the very life of your dear son um, uh, indwelling. And uh, Lord, you desire to you desire to produce uh, his righteous life through us um, simply by faith. And, and so we just pray that uh, that we learn to see the flesh for what it is, that we learn to see this this earthly wisdom for what it is, and uh, and that we would begin to depend uh, more and more fully and completely on uh, on this new life that you have uh, put in us and you desire to work out through us. In Jesus' name, amen.